0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile App. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and wanted to go ahead and pay my condolences to one of Blunt High School's students he's a senior he's a athlete passed away suddenly Daryl Davis from Blunt High School want to make sure I pay my condolences to him and his family and the entire class of 2023 from Blunt High School who will be walking across that stage without Daryl Davis enjoying the festivities with him so again my condolences And my thoughts and prayers out to Daryl Davis and Blunt High School losing one of their students. A great young man, a great student athlete that I had an opportunity to cover on MCPSS Television Network on Thursdays and Friday nights for the last couple of years. And the show goes out to Daryl Davis and the class of 2023 from Blunt High School. And our sincere condolences from WNSP for sure. On a lighter note. Of course, Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian in the morning time have challenged the final drive, have said, Michael Bronner that they can beat us in any type of athletic sport, whether it be pickleball, whether it's hoops. Mark Heim talking A1 trash here in the afternoon to the afternoon guys saying not only can he beat us on two-on-two, on two, that he has the skills and the handles to go ahead and punish the afternoon show. Now, Lee Lee said he would referee, but that was Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim that, that have personally challenged us here in the afternoon, the final drive, to whatever type of athletic contest that we should have. And I'm just wondering what that should be. What should Michael Bronner? And I beat Lee Shirvanian and Mark Hyman if we're going to go that route, or Mark Hyman and Nick Wiggins, what sport should it be that we go ahead and we put on our website that you guys would like to see us go ahead and just, just beat them to sleep, basically? I, y-
2: you're kind of filling me in here because I thought it w- I was under the impression it was just Mark Hyman saying. They'd they'd beat us at pickleball, no, which also no, which no. also is not true. But they said any athletic competition, any athletic sport. Oh man! Oh come on! The, the morning guys said the opening kickoff
1: said they can handle this Broner. So so I'll so,
2: take this a step further. There's not I, you might this is gonna sound crazy, but think about it for a second. I think there's like a very small handful of people on this planet that could beat you and me and and the average human being at every single sport you could name, like to to human, every single possible sport. I don't think there's really a person on earth who could beat me and you at every single sport you can possibly imagine? Certainly not Mark Hyman and Nick Wiggins. Well, here, here's one. I, I love
1: the fact when Sean Jones, he really hit, hit something, a nail on his head. A oh, oh, hot dog eating contest. Nick would have to forfeit because he's all vegan. I think Nick is no longer now.
2: vegan now, but that that <laughs> that was a thing for a little while. We,
1: we You know, the hot dog eating contest is one of those that some people don't consider a sport, but if you can shove... 76 wieners down your throat oh. in a 10-minute period, oh. you know, and, and get paid that's some, hundreds of that's thousands of dollars to do so, by all means, go right ahead. But, you know, Sean, whether it's a hot dog eating contest, it, it doesn't matter pickleball, it doesn't matter basketball, it doesn't matter if it's tennis. You know, I, I know I'm not on the golf course a lot. I know, Michael Bronner, you love hitting yeah. The white ball off the tee. I'm and smoking them on the golf course. And, and I'm
2: not even a good golfer either, but I'm smoking Mark Heim and Nick Wiggins.
1: It doesn't matter if we're in Come a track on, contest, whatever the situation is. They they want some of it. They they brought the smoke, and Mark Heim said he wanted all the smoke. So we're definitely going to give Mark and Nick. Now, like I said, Lee, he was the third party. He was the laid-back guy. He, he really wasn't in on that action. So I'm not going to go after Lee because Lee said he would officiate or referee any sport that we decided to go ahead and take on the opening kickoff with. But I, I'm all for it. If Mark wants to smoke, he's going to get the smoke in whatever sport he chooses. And it, it could even be a common game of a spades. Doesn't matter to me. Whatever they want
2: some of, we'll make sure. Someone said if Lee suggests shoots and ladders, y'all might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's what I'm. I mean, look, if we even have to go the board game route, I think that that transcends the sporting world. Then, no. Well,
1: well, yeah, that, that's that's taking it to. I mean, that's a competition. So I like the fact that I'm I'm even competitive, Mike, when it comes to these board games. Yeah, I'm a We'll, we'll get into guy. it with the board games too. Now, if Lee wants some of that Uno, I can give him some of that good Uno too. Now, 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 now there's no really partnered Uno. But we can we can get in the board fig- games, we'll if that's fi- more up. We'll figure something out. We, we're definitely going to figure something out, and Remember I think that wins. that's one of the situations to where uh, uh, Brick Harville says Bruce Jenner would have another gold medal if shoving seventy-five winners in his mouth was an Olympic sport. That's a oh. low blow, but you well. know, <laughs> with with the hot dog eating contest, you phrased it that way. I, I do love the hot dog eating contest on July Fourth. So whether it's an eating competition. You know whether Nick wants to say vegan or whatever he wants, you know I'm I'm all for it. I'm definitely all for it. So again, Mark Heim,
2: you've laid down the challenge, my friend. If I get to pick the sport, I'm I'm picking golf again. Not not because I, I I'm very good at it, just because I know I, I one I know I'm better than Nick Wiggins at it. I think i'm better than mark heim at it and you know you ever hear like a scramble on the golf course it's like you you take your your best shot between the two of me and you in a scramble against mark heim and nick wiggins man we're we're smoking them it, it, it's not even close it, it would be you know it would get ugly out there at azalea city or whatever whatever course you want to throw out there even mini golf Hell. that's what i'm talking about Bronner. that hey look if heim
1: wants to get in on the mini golf too we we can we can go to work now that that's something that i think lee could participate in as well there but again it doesn't matter how they want to tag team is whether it's mark and lee or whether it's nick and mark however they want to do it they wanted to smoke we're going to go ahead and give it to them we'll bring it to them and i tell you you know there's been there's been a lot of smoke coming from greg mcelroy in regards to his comments that he made today and i really don't see anything that he said that wasn't true Because Georgia is the king of college football. Anytime you can lose nine defenders on defense, there's no way to me you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win a national championship. It's just not going to happen. And all of a sudden, here it is, year number two, last year for Kirby Smart, replacing 15 guys that make it to the NFL. And then all of a sudden, Georgia's your two-time back-to-back national champion. And there is a gap between Georgia and Alabama. There is a gap between Georgia and the rest of the college football nation. But I just think that with Greg McElroy making that statement today about (laughs) how good Georgia is and has been, you you just – you can't find a way to argue with the results. You may not like hearing it coming out of his mouth.
2: Greg, evidently not that popular in the app. But, I mean, again, like you say, you might not like hearing it, but uh, we've talked about this for weeks now. You, even if you don't like it, it is what it is. I mean, and and you said you lose, what was it, eight or nine defenders from that team? I think 2022 Georgia kind of evolved in a way that 2020 well 2021 Georgia won games and dominated teams obviously with that defense and then ultimately Stetson Bennett stepped up in the national championship when it counted through a long touchdown uh and you know they got it done that way and ultimately Alabama couldn't do enough on offense in that national championship game while this year's Georgia team obviously the national championship was a 58 point beat down but I think while they still had a very good defense I think The offense carried the load just as much. Brock Bowers and Stetson Bennett looked like oftentimes a legitimate NFL quarterback. It's why he got drafted in the fourth round on Saturday rather than, uh, you know, he's working at the drive-thru to raising canes like a lot of people like lo- love love to throw that out as to what Stetson Bennett <laughs> was going to be doing or, like, you know, becoming an insurance salesman or whatever, you know, throw out whatever regular person job you want to throw out for Stetson Bennett because people like to poke their fun when he was going into his fifth year. It's like, oh, why wouldn't Stetson Bennett stay for a fifth year at Georgia? What does he have to get to his insurance job? No, he actually... Had It's going to become a lot better of a quarterback and become a fourth-round pick in the NFL and probably have an opportunity to eventually at least have a chance to start for the L.A. Rams. So, yeah, I mean, it it is interesting how very Alabama-like, how they just uh, really adapted over the course of a full year there and and found a way to win a national championship with two different teams like that.
1: I mean, it's it's impressive what Kirby Smart has been able to do is they're continuing to to stay on top of the college football world, and we'll see if Alabama will have the opportunity to knock them off, LSU having an opportunity to knock them off, because one thing's for sure, the Western Division champion last year absolutely got rolled up and smoked by the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC championship. And you, you just you don't have an opportunity to defend that because the results – Spoke for themselves. And I just love the fact that you try to look at the head-to-head battles between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, okay? Nick Saban has definitely, you can't argue with the fact that he's dominated every one of his protégés. And the master is, he's staying that. But when the teacher and the master start having to say, you know, the students, they're they they they're starting to absorb and they're starting to learn a lot too. Kirby Smart has had a lot to say about college football within the last four or five years. And I think that, you know, like Greg McElroy mentioned, the gap between Georgia and the rest of the country is very large. I mean, because if you were to ask me for a preseason poll right now, Michael Bronner, mm-hmm. could you honestly put Alabama in the top five based on what you saw coming out of the spring.
2: Uh top five, uh, maybe, but no higher than five. If if you know, so semantics. I guess you're getting into that argument there, like f- four absolute max. So like f- they're in that four, five, six range. Like Tony said yesterday, I, I think. Alabama is still a contender to win the national championship. I mean, you know, there's still five stars all over the roster. They're still loaded. Uh, but that being said, uh, they're certainly not Alabama going into last year, going into the year before. I think that starts with the quarterback position and the fact that they haven't figured it out. But no, I mean, they, they certainly aren't number one. They certainly aren't number two. They certainly aren't number three. Uh, so where they start the season doesn't really matter. Uh, It probably is right around five, but there certainly is the argument to be made that they're as low as number six. Well,
1: I think that right at six is is very fair. Five or six is probably where I would go for the Crimson Tide in the preseason rankings that will be coming out here in a couple of months. But when you look at Georgia... I think
2: ultimately they get enough respect that they're not ranked lower than five.
1: Would you hesitate ranking Georgia number one no. going into the preseason. No,
2: no Georgia's going to be ranked number
1: one. And that's that's losing, again, another 10 guys into the NFL, having an opportunity to replace their starting quarterback, one of their key running backs, one of their key linebackers in linemen. And that's just where we are in college football right now. That lets you know that Kirby Smart is doing something right in Athens in regards to not only recruiting high-level elite Recruits, but he's also developing them into winners and that's a huge difference too and i I think that it can go in waves to where you did see clemson become the top of college football but but throughout the last 12 13 years even though clemson hit a high mark against alabama and the rest of the country alabama still stayed right there in the top five clemson they've dropped off. If Alabama starts saying, "Look, we've only won eight games," then you know that there's a problem within the Nick Saban era.
2: Yeah, if you if you see that comment in the app, uh, I mean, this is what we've been talking about. Ah, I remember when Clemson beat Bama a couple of times and they were the next big thing. How about letting Kirby beat Nick more than once before you anoint him? Well, if you can't see the difference between what Georgia has done the past couple of years and what, first of all, Georgia's been coming before uh, before winning back-to-back national championships. Like, the same way Alabama says they should have won in 2021 with Jameson Williams torn ACL, well, Georgia should have won in 2017. Let's face the facts, wasn't all sides on the block pond. I mean, Alabama got bailed out a little bit. That That is kind of reality there. Georgia probably should have won that game. Georgia choked that game. So all, all this being said, like, George has been coming. If you can't see the difference in what Kirby's doing recruiting-wise, not to mention Kirby's cut from the same cloth as Nick Saban. He comes from the Nick Saban coaching tree. If you think Kirby's just going to go away the way Dabo's gone away, not that Dabo, like, you know, I think Clemson will be okay. I think they're still going to contend for the playoffs. I don't think the program is dead or anything like that. But, I mean, if you don't see the difference, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're in denial at this point. Not, again, not that not that Alabama can't win the national championship this year. They can, but come on, man. D- get, let's get real here. What Kirby's doing is
1: very, very real. I agree. And, and again, Georgia going to probably be the preseason number one, have an opportunity for that 3 Pete And Greg McElroy called it out today and called it what it was. It, it's Georgia being the king of college football, the disparity or the separation there between Georgia and Alabama. Right now, it's it's not it's not close. It's probably the furthest I've seen it within the last five or six years. There's and never
2: been this big of a gap between Alabama and someone else, whereas Alabama is not the one on top right now. So,
1: it's a tale of two sides of the coin, and we'll see if Alabama is able to get it flipped back on. We'll flip back on here to the final drive after these few commercial breaks.
3: Hey, this is slickfully really Short from the world-famous Harlem Gold You're listening to sports radio WNSP
1: 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte, along with Michael Brauner joining you this afternoon. And, of course, one of the stories that has made national news here is the fact, Michael, I don't know how much of a betting man you are, but you normally – I, you know, I don't like to go to the casinos and lose my money if I'm going to to put anything in the slot machine or the blackjack table. It's not going to be over 20 bucks. So I'm definitely not one of those high-stake gamblers or put a lot on the books in Vegas. I know the NCAA takes sports wagering and gambling pretty seriously when it comes down to teams, but the Alabama baseball team, after... A third party monitor had suspected suspicious wagering activity against the LSU Tigers this weekend, went ahead and put a stop to anyone, especially FanDuel, a a national sports booking agent, removed all Alabama baseball games from its betting menu, which is something that you normally don't see, and it kind of makes you wonder, Alabama lost the series to the number one-ranked LSU Tigers, but Alabama baseball and betting, I mean, is it—is it worth it? Is it <laughs> something that is a story there? Do
2: you think that they're going to dig deep in Tuscaloosa and find something? Very wacky story going on here. Uh, this is what I'm going to guess off the bat, Generally, what's most likely is what's happening. Off the
1: bat, I saw what you did there.
2: <laughs> what? What the likelihood? No, uh, just
1: one of the years. Oh, the, there.
2: off the bat, <laughs> it actually wasn't intentional, but uh, yes, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the uh, the baseball pun intended. Yes, off the bat, off the ball. Uh, generally, what's most likely is is the is most likely. So yeah, again, the p- profit comment there. Uh, but anyway. I don't. I don't think that Alabama baseball is wrapped up in a uh, wild, like 1908 Black Sox, like throwing games, gambling scandal. I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, that would be shocking and and would really rock college sports in general. Really, the whole sporting and gambling world. Because you know we don't spend a ton of time talking about it on this show, but yeah, I mean. Yeah. Throw some wagers around. Maybe maybe I'm a betting man, uh but no, I I think what happened was that FanDuel probably lost a lot of money on someone making a smart bet on the Alabama L S U game and quote-unquote suspicious activity i i don't think anyone has an inside tip on what alabama baseball is going to do it's just a sports book trying to protect their own uh, their own assets which i guess is what their job but it's also their job to let people bet when it's legal to do so so i don't know very 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 strange story
1: you know one of the situations they said one of the bets according to this article in nola.com One of the bets was a parlay involving the Alabama-LSU game. Another was a large, straight-up bet on the game, and both wagered LSU would win. I don't think there was any question whether LSU would win, and I'm not quite sure that because that is the bet that is made that it goes ahead and says, look, we're going to have to put a stop to anyone betting or putting Alabama on the books, but it definitely brings the – the wrong kind of attention to your program. And like you said, I think it has to do more so with someone sitting there and and, and losing their rear end off, to be honest with you. You're getting tired of losing their rear end off.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I mean, if it's just a sports book, stopping bets on Alabama. Again, like I, I don't think that anyone who – maybe there was a large wager placed on Alabama baseball and – you know the sports book doesn't want to keep losing. I I just have a very very hard time believing anyone has inside information on the Alabama baseball program. Some of the app says past time for Bama to clean house in the baseball department. Bohannon been there six years with one postseason appearance. Yeah, I mean that's that's an entirely separate discussion from from the gambling matter. I mean you could certainly make that argument that that Brad Bohannon has underachieved with this team. Uh, so yeah, I mean. then very up and down. Thir- Al- Alabama, base- Alabama baseball in general is just frustrating. It's like there's no reason for Alabama not to be a good, at least decent baseball school. I mean, 30 uh, and 15, I, I don't think. I mean, you're 15 games over five. They're better than last year, but they're you, not as good as they should be.
1: You're 9 and 12 in the SEC. Everyone else in the conference is losing. To
2: the LSU Tigers, yeah, so. they beat up on each other in the SEC, and just because it speaks to the strength of the conference in general. And again, like you're not gonna like asking to be one of the four or five best teams in the SEC. Like while it sounds very doable and reasonable, I understand how difficult that is just because of the strength of the conference. But like you would think Alabama should be able to figure that out. I I don't know, but I, I, ask someone who follows college baseball a little bit closer than I do, I guess. Yeah, I, I
1: think Maybe that <laughs> you would definitely have reason for concern if, if Alabama was sub-500. Uh, year six for Coach hannon I think that, again, Alabama and the baseball betting situation, I don't think that this is going to fall back on any of the players or the coaches that are involved with the current Alabama baseball program. I think this is just – one of those red flags that that comes up and you just put a stop to th- things better safe than sorry. But, I mean, if you can, the Kentucky Derby is coming up this weekend, so if, if baseball betting is your thing, then I guarantee you can find another Southeastern Conference team to place wagers on outside of the Alabama Crimson Tide who have been taking off the books for a moment or so. Coming up here on the other side of this break, We'll go back and tackle the NFL draft. And there's a lot of, of course, the Cowboys being America's team. A lot of people grew up loving the Pittsburgh Steelers, still love the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin, he definitely makes his face known and shown here at the Reese's Senior Bowl. We'll talk to Tom Bentz who covers... Correction, we'll talk to Mike Diabate who covers the Patriots and one of their rivalries is the Steelers. We'll talk to Mike Diabate next here on The Final Drive.
0: Hi, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile. Listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, we concluded the NFL Draft on Saturday. And Michael Bronner absolutely loves the New England Patriots. And when you start talking about your favorite team, you definitely do it with a bunch of passion. And you really put a magnifying glass on every single draft choice or pick that your franchise that you love to cover picks. And Mike Diabate, lead Patriots beat reporter for the Pats country, joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Mike, good afternoon. Thanks for joining Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner here in Mobile, Alabama.
3: Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, i tell you,
1: you know, again, Michael Brauner, my producer, absolutely loves the New England Patriots. And we had our draft watch party here at Walk Ons. And when that number 17th pick overall, Christian Gonzalez and the cornerback is selected by the Patriots, Michael Brawner showed me some dance moves I didn't know he had in him and he just thought he was it was the greatest pick that the patriots could could make in regards to to the needs of the franchise that he loves to cover would you agree with that assessment
3: i would agree with that assessment i was probably dancing just as much as michael was <laughs> uh this was an unexpected pick uh for the patriots but uh unexpected in such a great way uh it fills a huge need for new england obviously there was a need for a lockdown corner that could play on the perimeter. And Jonathan Jones did an admirable job last year of trying to fill those shoes. Jalen Mills, Jack Jones, they really kind of had committee uh, going in the backfield last year. But there's no doubt about it. Christian Gonzalez fills that role. He's an athletic corner, immediately can contribute on the perimeter, um, has the ability to lock down his side of the field so you know that when he's there, That side is going to be well taken care of. And the thing that I love about it is he never takes his eyes off of the quarterback. He can be a force in man and zone. Uh, This was a tremendous pick for the New England Patriots, exactly what they needed in that defensive backfield.
2: Mike, I think an underrated part of it, and, you know, I was – so annoyed when New England traded down from 14 because of course it was just typical Belichick fashion which has worked out in the past and has annoyed me in the past but they go from 14 (laughs) to 17 with Gonzalez and Smith and Jigba and a couple other guys who both end up still on the board at 17 obviously but they prevent the Jets from getting Broderick Jones at 15, getting Aaron Rodgers offensive line help. Do you think that that's something that's on Bill Belichick's mind specifically, like trying to keep the Jets from getting who he thinks is going to be their guy? Or is it more so still trying to collect that fourth-round pick that he got in return? I-
3: think it's more about collecting the fourth round pick, but if I'm going to be honest with you, there is definitely a part of Bill Belichick that grinned at the thought of being able to not only get the player that he wanted, but also maybe rip the Jets a little bit in return. So I think there is some of that, but bottom line, Bill is not going to jeopardize what he believes to be in the best interest of the football team to kind of go after any vendetta that he may have toward the, the New York Jets. Bottom line, this was a great move for the Patriots. Uh, that trade down ended up being a very patient very lucid move by bill belichick knowing that if he traded to number 17 there was still a very good chance that he would be able to get christian gonzalez you knew that washington was tipping their hands they were talking about emmanuel forbes all week long and we talked to matt Groh, the patriots director of player personnel shortly after this pick was made on thursday evening and he did acknowledge that they knew what Washington was going to do. They had an inkling that Pittsburgh was aching to trade up and get an offensive lineman that they really liked Broderick Jones and that the Jets had their eyes on Broderick Jones, too. So when you can trade with someone else, as the old saying goes, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. In this case, Bill Belichick definitely acted in that, and uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. He had a very good day one.
2: Something you just said interest, interested me greatly there. You said that they, Matt Gross said he, they knew what Washington was going to do, and obviously they select Emmanuel Forbes, who was seen as, I would say, probably consensus second-round guy. Is that just come down to scouting and, and, and knowing that he's a better fit for the commander system? Because, I, I mean, I was jumping for joy when they took Forbes. I, I didn't want Forbes in the first round.
3: Yeah, I think what Washington was looking for is an aggressive playmaker, someone that was going to be a heat-seeking missile on the football, and Emmanuel Forbes is that. I think sometimes the over-aggression that he'll show can lead to some problems. Maybe Washington's coaching staff has figured out a way to be able to rein some of that in. If they do, they got themselves a very good player, but I always thought that Forbes was kind of a poor fit for the Patriots because of that in the pre-draft scouting that I did. I always had guys like Witherspoon, obviously, Gonzalez at the top top of my list, but I was even looking at guys like Garrett Williams, uh, Joey Porter Jr., players with a little bit more patience, a little bit more temperance in that backfield. But Washington clearly loved Forbes, and they were very vocal about that in the days leading up to the draft, maybe to a fault because, as again, you know, Matt seemed to have a pretty good handle as to what Washington was going to do, as did a lot of other analysts. So really it came down to what you could expect from the Steelers, from the Jets. And that made the decision all that much easier to pull the trigger on that trade.
1: Also the Patriots had an opportunity to do something. Not a lot of teams decide to do in the draft, but it's always that third special teams play that third aspect of great football period special teams. They go ahead and go with a kicker in the fourth round. And then they go ahead and take a punter in the sixth round. And That just goes to speak on the future, especially when you try trade up in round four to take a kicker. I think that that's one of those situations to where that's winning football, being able to flip the field and also convert those 47, 56-yard field goals to win games.
3: Yeah, without question. I know a lot of Patriots fans were uh, less than enamored uh, with them using a fourth-round draft capital, albeit the number 112 pick on a kicker but if you look at what the patriots struggled with last year in special teams nick folk is automatic from inside the 40 and he was very good but when you start to get him outside of that number it's difficult to know whether or not you're going to be able to count on that kick in those three points or not and at 38 years of age he's not gaining any more power if anything it's going to be lessened chad Ryland was someone i know the patriots were very interested in pre-draft uh they had feelers out for Jake Moody as well. He comes off the board earlier, and all of a sudden I think New England felt that they needed to get the guy that they had targeted as their 1A choice to Jake Moody, and that's what the reason why they moved up to try to get Chad Ryland secured. Um, was it a little over aggressive? Maybe. I mean, you know, I can see the argument there, but I think that if he performs to his capability, a kid that can come in, kick in the clutch, he can kick in cold weather. That's a big factor in New England. You have to be able to kick in the elements. If he can do that, I think a lot of analysts that have. Um, maybe malign this pick are going to have to reevaluate that being said sixth round uh for bryce berenger at number 192 i thought was phenomenal value uh this is exactly where you want to go if you're thinking about taking a specialist in this draft and bryce's got ice water running through the veins he averaged 49 yards per punt last year for michigan state um, he can punt for power he can punt for accuracy the patriots need his help there and they got it, and I think they got a good one in Bryce Barringer. I love this one.
2: Talking to Mike Diabate, he's the lead Patriots beat reporter for Pat's Country. It's the Patriots' SI affiliate. Mike, I'm resisting the urge because, you know, we are in Mobile, Alabama, to completely Patriots nerd out and, you know, ask you about Demario Douglas. And, you know, I think he's going to be a star, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> I, t- tell me how delusional I am for thinking the Patriots can compete in the division this year because, I, I, I don't know, I, am I crazy? I don't
3: think you're crazy. Uh, Look, it's not going to be an easy time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, yeah, you know, the glory days are back and the Patriots are ready to go and they're going to prove everybody wrong, and it's going to be a cakewalk. Far from it. Uh, Right now, if you look on paper, their roster is probably the weakest of all four teams, and I mean that on paper. I don't mean that on the field. But if you look at the star power, the talent levels, the depth, you're probably looking at a fourth-place finish if you're going to put all your eggs into that basket. But – I always say a team that is coached by Bill Belichick always has that puncher's chance. And if you can get the proper coaching staff in place, guys like Bill O'Brien, Adrian Clem, Coaches they didn't have last year, and it showed on the field. That team was not well-prepared in certain aspects, and certain circumstances. And I don't mean to just call out the offense. Special teams was a mess last year. All of a sudden, you have Joe Judge back in a role that is very familiar to him in helping to coach special teams. The Patriots have that nucleus in place. If you can put the proper team and the proper players in the position to succeed, you always have a chance to beat teams. And look, you know, the Patriots have had success before against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They know how to game plan against Josh Allen if they need to try to help to neutralize him. Not easy, but it's not impossible. So if they can start pulling off wins and really get off to a fast start this season, Don't be a bit surprised to see New England competing for a playoff spot, but if they falter coming out of the gate, uh, I think the margin of error is a lot less this year than it has been in previous years because they've got a lot of competition to face in the AFC. But I don't think you're crazy. I think this team has the talent on both sides of the ball to at least compete and make things interesting for any game that they play.
1: The microscope has been enlarged for Mac Jones and the patience. We'll see how much the Patriots fans and the coaching staff have for him because again, you go and draft a quarterback like Bailey Zappe, and then of course, uh undrafted free agent and Malik Cunningham having an opportunity to want to make this roster instead of being a practice squad guy. Mac Jones, the patience there between he and Bill Belichick, it will he last beyond this year or does he have enough? going in to where he can continue to improve with the coaching changes that were made.
3: Well, I think his leash with Bill Belichick or his, I should say, or you made a better choice of words is relationship with Bill Belichick or, you know, his ability to hang around in New England beyond this year. I think is going to be contingent as to how he plays this year. Uh, Mac had, a lot of leeway in terms of maybe fan uh, levity or maybe with the coaching staff because of the difficulties that they had coaching last year and some of the personnel issues. Patriots have done their best to shore those up. Mac Jones now has the offensive coordinator he wanted, uh, someone that's going to come in, coach him hard, give him the ability to run the type of offense that you guys know he ran very effectively in Alabama. You allow those pass catchers to get lead the your receivers or your pass catchers under the defense get the ball to them on time accurately where only the receiver can get it and then watch them accelerate and get yards after the catch Jacoby myers as much as i loved him here in new england was not that type of a receiver juju smith schuster is very much that type of a receiver patriots had john smith last year at the tight end position tough guy very good blocker not the red zone weapon they needed Mike Kosecki is that weapon. He can get you into the back of the end zone, go up, make contested catches, especially with his size. So the Patriots have those added weapons now that they didn't have last year. If Matt can utilize them, yeah, I think they probably found their quarterback of the foreseeable future. And that uh, type of narrative can calm down a little bit. But if he struggles, yeah, then you're going to have the bluebirds coming out and then the hook may get a little bit quicker him than it was last year, especially with Bailey Zappi waiting in the wings, potentially.
1: I think it's real interesting to see where the Patriots wind up finishing, especially with Aaron Rodgers joining into the excitement of that division. Of course, everybody's holding their breath with Tua Tungavailoa, and of course, you know what Allen brings to the Buffalo Bills. So the worst case, if Belichick finds a way to finish last in that division, How much more patience is being shown, not only by ownership, but the fans as well. Mike, how can people follow all of your great and outstanding coverage of things that are going on in the New England Patriots era and really around that whole New England area in general?
3: Well, thank you for the compliment. That's very, very nice of you to say, and it really is humbling, and I do appreciate it. Uh, If you want to, you can always find me on Twitter, on the Bird app, as they say, at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. We have a Monday through Friday daily podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, Locked On Patriots, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, so search that out. Um, And then, of course, you can find my written work over at si.com slash NFL slash Patriots. Uh, for all of that uh, uh, content on a daily basis as well.
1: Well, Mike, thank you so much for making your debut here on the final drive in Mobile, Alabama with Corey Labounty and Michael Brauner. Thank you so much. And look forward to talking to you again very soon.
3: Uh, my pleasure. Anytime, Corey, Michael, thank you so much for today. Have a great day, gentlemen.
1: Our pleasure. Mike Diabate joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And we were talking about earlier, the fact that the morning crew was talking about bringing the smoke to the afternoon guys we'll see what kind of sport has been brought up in the app as the one that we should take on either Nick Wiggins and Markheim, or let Mark and Lee there's some good ones in there there are some good ones we'll we'll call those out next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5
4: Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP
1: 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on a terrific Tuesday. And again, we want to thank everyone for tuning in to the final drive with Corey Labonte and Michael Brawner. And of course, the opening kickoff mark heim decided to go ahead and and start the smoke to bring the smoke to the final drive and said look you pick a sport and we can beat the final drive in and we've had some great suggestions
2: sport is is the question and and that's
1: it it. i mean some some users said frisbee golf well i I don't i don't know if lee knows what frisbee golf (laughs) really is now mark does and I know Nick Wiggins does. And we could get them in on some Frisbee golf. But there's been some other good suggestions as well, Michael,
2: in the app. Yeah, a lot of people threw out beer pong. Well, here, here's my thing about sport. beer pong.
1: You know, I don't, I don't think Lee Chevanian delights in Bud Light or Budweiser or partakes in alcohol. And I don't I don't know if Mark does either.
2: I don't think Lee cracks open a Miller after a 3-hour morning show. I, I I could see Lee probably more as a as a wine guy yeah, versus
1: think, yeah. a beer guy. Yeah. So so you know if Stella Rose I I, I could see Lee pouring pouring a glass of that and and us having a competition there. Uh, what a, a wine pong? Yeah, yeah, a wine pong. With with Lee Cervantes that, that, that's the route we're going there for sure. No, it, it just – I think that when you look at someone brought up ping pong, oh. horseshoes, tug of war. We're winning all those. It doesn't matter what Mark wants. If it's two on two, if he wants it, then okay. You know, I, I know my guy Nick Wiggins has the double team podcast, mm. and that means he's a hooper. So – have no problem. How's your game these days? Look, I I guarantee if we play, that they, they, they just they won't score. I will talk more trash than Dylan Brooks. <laughs> didn't you know, work, it didn't work out for Dylan Brooks. Well, here, it, and that's, of, it's interesting you said that. As far as that that Grizzly
2: Bear, the the Memphis Grizzlies said that he won't ever come back under any circumstances. They're not bringing him back. <laughs> said have you ever seen a headline like that i mean under any an circumstances free agent who's not like obviously not like a great player but he's like a fine player he's a good defender and who's an impending free agent due for a new contract and he gets told a week after their season ends he's not getting brought back the yeah. headline quote-unquote under any circumstances that
1: grizzly bear got poked that grizzly bear got poked dylan the grizzly got poked and poked right out of being part of a franchise that he was with since 2017. Mm. So I I think that when you start looking at that situation for him, it's tough, Michael. It's tough for Dylan Brooks to sit there and say, you you take these words and you eat them, and it's going to cost you a job opportunity. Now, do I think it'll cost him a chance in the league? No, (laughs) but it'll definitely cost him – a grizzly spot. You don't think he's like a Shanghai shark next year? <laughs> I don't. I don't think it'll get that bad for him. He won't get blackballed, but he'll have
2: media like responsibility. If, there, if there's one thing to do to get blackballed, it's like poke LeBron and then like get killed by LeBron three games. in a row. Dumbest things
1: ever, man. <laughs> I mean, what? I, I I just don't understand his thought process, and then to take the twenty five thousand dollar fine by not talking to the media for a couple of opportunities that he had.
2: That's tough. That's yeah. real tough. Could, but have, could have bought like the bottle of wine Trevanian's drinking after dinner with it, that fine. Hey,
1: look. I mean, as many as he would like. As many as he would like. But we'll, we'll have to check with, with Mark and Lee. And, and, and ask Lee, is, is, is wine his choice or beer?
2: There, beer pong? There's no way Lee drinks
1: beer. No. I, and like I say, I, I don't know if Mark does either, but you know, there there are other contests that I guarantee that they open the opening kickoff, they don't they don't want any part of it. Don't even want any part of it at all. The final drive here on WNSP, Corey LeBounty and Michael Braunner. When we come back, of course, we talked a little bit about the NBA and there's some Henry Ruggs news that has gone on today. And that's a tragic situation. We'll touch on that and Deontay Wilder. As well, both have Tuscaloosa connections. The final drive coming back, hour number two.
0: It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile.
1: Welcome to the final drive hour, number two here on WNSP 105.5, and again, want to dedicate today's show to Daryl Davis, a young man who played football, was an outstanding student athlete at Blunt High School, passed away just a week before his graduation. So, prayers and condolences out to the seniors of. 2023 at Blunt High School and all his friends and family as well. Our prayers and condolences, especially being shared here from the final drive here on WNSP. And another sad situation is, of course, Henry Ruggs. And he's one of those guys that a lot of people, when you're kind of out of the news for so long, so many people forget about the tragic situation with Henry Ruggs. And today, it looks like he's uh, pleading guilty to a felony charge of DUI and can receive anywhere from three to 10 years. So Henry Ruggs, 24, 25 years old, possibly could come out and have an opportunity to continue to pursue his passion. But uh, a situation where Henry Ruggs definitely will be pleading guilty to a felony charge of DUI, looking at anywhere from three to 10 years and Another situation that's pretty interesting out of another Tuscaloosa native, even though Henry Ruggs is from the Montgomery area, Deontay Wilder arrested and charged with possession of a concealed weapon in Los Angeles. And of course, the
2: officer, you can smoke weed all day in LA, (laughs) in California. Yeah, but if you're smoking weed they get to search your car and find a concealed (laughs) weapon that's where
1: the problem comes in to where deontay wilder gets pulled over for having too much dark tint on his windows of his luxury automobile and it wasn't the weed that got him in trouble it was the tinted windows that it brought the initial attention to the vehicle and of course they did find that concealed weapon and He's scheduled to have one of those big-time fights in December. And, of course, Deontay Wilder, one of the knockout artists, knockout kings, and, and we love to see Deontay Wilder just absolutely punish folks from that situation. But I think that when you look at will this delay his fight with Anthony Joshua in December or sometime late here in the year, that's yet to be determined. But, Gets booked and bonded out on charge of possession of a concealed weapon. And I tell you, a weapon that was used last night wasn't Joel Embiid. Hmm. He didn't play. But what a transition. Who who did play (laughs) James Harden. (laughs) He was locked and loaded and found a way to go ahead and score Bucket after bucket after bucket, the bearded what did he have, one. Well, you have forty-five last night. Sick, sick numbers by Harden, and 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 here's what you're you're waiting on. You you wanted to see if Philadelphia had a chance to 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 win a game against Boston, going to the garden. And you mentioned the 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 bad mojo that's going on in Boston right now, Michael. I mean, it wasn't just the Celtics losing. 24 hours prior they didn't have a good situation for them either the
2: yeah bruins. yeah so really rough 24 hours in the td garden for for boston fans I, I i would be curious to know how many people were there at both games so i i think they talked about it in the morning show we haven't spent a have don't spent a whole lot of time talking high and i'll say i'll say this by the way i used to be a really really huge bruins fan like and i still consider myself a bruins fan but i just don't Watch Like, since I moved to the South, really, honestly, I just started watching significantly less hockey than I did uh, when I was living in New Jersey. Like, I used to watch every Bruins game. Bruins used to be right up there with the Patriots, honestly. Uh, But I just honestly just don't really watch hockey much anymore. But anyway, just putting that out there. Uh, you know my former hockey fandom, and I still like them, but I don't really watch a lot of hockey anymore. But anyway, so that being said, before I say Bruins fans, because technically I'm part of them, <laughs> I just didn't want to didn't want to cast uh, cast stones from my glass castle because I'm technically part of them. But really rough 24 hours for the people in Boston up there. You have. Uh, game seven collapse from the Bruins, who blew a two three one lead in the series. Bruins, if you didn't know, they had a sixty five win regular season. They had the best regular season in the history of the NHL. Wait a minute, Michael! In the history, in the history of, of the NHL, the National Hockey League, they they set a wins record as a one seed. Yeah, they they, they go home. They won, they're done. so they won the President's Trophy, which is like given to the best regular season team. And I will say, it's not like basketball. Uh, it, hockey's pretty different. Like, the team who wins the President's Trophy, like, yes, they're the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, but it's, like, far from a guarantee that that's actually going to happen. I think, they're, like, there's something called the President's Trophy curse. Like, the team that wins the President's Trophy often does not win the Stanley Cup. They often do get bounced, but for a 65 win team, most wins in, in hockey history, uh, to get bounced in the first round of the Florida Panthers after blowing a 3 1 lead in the Series 2 was uh was pretty atrocious by the Bruins and then 24 hours later in the same building because the Bruins and Celtics share an arena TD Garden in Boston Massachusetts one of the best arenas in sports I've been there a few times the Celtics as like 12 or 13 point favorites no Embiid game one oh and lose game one terrible turnover to maxi to lose the lead they get the lead back with tatum's free throws and then harden just ices them with a deep three and i it it does leave me wondering of the eighteen thousand or however many fit in the arena i wonder how many were at both heartbreakers in 24 like like the the wealthy nine-year-old whose dad took him to both events and he (laughs) just had the worst 24 hours of his young life
1: well you you know it's tough In Boston, right about now, but they'll have an opportunity to try to recuperate from that forty-five piece that Harden put on their head.
2: It's going to be back. It's not going to get any easier.
1: It's really not. And now, what you're looking at is, I don't, I don't like the word and the fact that you have load management. But if you're Joel Embiid and you're getting ready to be the most valuable player in the NBA. Which should be Jokic, by the way. That that one Jokic had an outstanding game too, but throughout the entire season of work, Broner, I I, I want to know if do you put him on the bench? Do you even dress him out, or do you let him continue to rest his injury in game two? Because mm, now you've stolen that's a home que- court that's advantage. A really
2: good question.
1: I think that you don't have an opportunity even tonight with Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat with him rolling his ankle. He's such a dog and such a competitor. Jimmy Butler, he'll come out and play regardless. He'll tape it up and play. Yeah.
2: Really, really, really good question uh, regarding what the Sixers should do with Embiid in game two. I, I mean... I think it depends how close he was to playing in game one. Like, if it was, like, out of an abundance of caution, let's sit him for game one. Because the report that came out when Embiid was out for game one was, like, he's optimistic for game two. Uh, But you have to assume they're thinking they're going to lose game one without him. It's like, all right, like, let's go and try give it all for game two. Now you win game one against all odds. Like, yeah, you probably do sit Embiid for game two. Now, if he's able to go... And you can put him out there and steal both games in Boston. The Series is over. So if you go win game two, the series is over in Boston. And uh, you know, I, I I think you play him. Uh, maybe if if he's able to go, uh, limit his minutes. I don't know if you go. Like someone just put great point in the app. Uh, exactly this. You know, maybe you don't play him full go. I I, I don't think you. It has to be an all or nothing thing. Uh, maybe maybe you, you let him. See how he looks and see how he feels, and yeah, I mean, if he's if he's able to be out there, throw him out there. If you steal game two, the series is over. So I, I I'm I'd be supportive of the idea to uh, throw Embiid out there for game two.
1: I think he should dress, but how much you play him. I mean, again, you he have a game close game. You, one, you so. took you took game one. You stole home court advantage. And
2: yeah, but it's like you're not supposed to win this series. You lose game two. Uh, I say Boston comes out game two with no one and just beats him by 30, which is what they should do, frankly. Uh, you know. It's back to a 1-1 series. You're going back to Philly. You have to figure Boston wins one of those games in Philly. Then it's 2-2 going back to Boston. It's a best of three with two games being in Boston. Like If you have a chance to win this game in Boston with him being played, you have to play him. I think you have to play him unless he's Uh, not able to go.
1: He definitely has the dress. And and when you're talking about have to play him well, you had another superstar last night to where you're going to have to play him or hope he's healthy, Chris Paul. He goes ahead and goes down with the injury, and the Suns quickly are in a 2-0 hole. You mentioned Jokic. You feel like he should have been or is the NBA's most valuable player? Too good. Well, he played a heck of a game last night. When you start looking at his numbers, big-time numbers by Jokic, 39 points, and the Nuggets again up 2-0 on the Suns. So we'll see how that's going down. And looking forward tonight, the Lakers the Warriors Steph and LeBron what a show they're going to put on and I hope that one goes seven because I I just want to get LeBron
2: somehow I don't know how it happened
1: well we're going to find out tonight which way the nation wants to is it dub nation or is it Laker nation will LeBron own the series or not we'll find out next in this series that opens tonight game one of that series and we have Chris Gordy Locked on SEC to keep us informed of things that are going on within the Southeastern Conference as well, coming up next here on the final drive.
4: Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross,
3: and you're listening to WNSP
1: 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty along with Michael Bronner joining you this afternoon. And of course, you know, the the transfer portal for those that are not graduates came and closed on Sunday. And we were just wondering, TJ Finley, he's getting ready to get his degree from Auburn. Well, he's officially... Hit the transfer portal, and we wanted to make sure we talked to Chris Gordy, locked on SEC host, joining us this afternoon. And, Chris, how you doing, my friend? Hey, what's up, guys? Man, we were just sitting here talking about T.J. Finley entering that transfer portal and see if Auburn is going to land another quarterback from Nebraska or Michigan State. Who's going to be the signal caller now for the Auburn Tigers?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hearing they're making pretty good traction on both of the, uh, you know, the big names that are in the portal, Casey Thompson, the former Longhorn quarterback who's been at at Nebraska, and then uh, the kid over at Michigan State that just entered the portal the other day. I'm hearing both of those guys are possibilities for Auburn, and uh, I know Thompson had to visit Auburn a couple days ago I heard it went well, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a surprise. You know, we had TJ Finley on our show a couple of weeks ago and that was, you know, he intimated that a portal uh, move would be coming and now it has, but he's a little bit different because he's a grad transfer. So he'll have uh, plenty of options on, you know, where he wants to go and he's not restricted to the transfer portal that a lot of the undergrads are restricted to, but, um, no, it's going to be interesting and, and, and Casey Thompson, a guy who's pulled a lot of football, um, You know, at Texas and Nebraska, and uh, I think, you know, just based on what we saw from the Auburn quarterbacks in the spring, honestly, I think he would be an upgrade. Now, how much of an upgrade is he over Robbie Ashford? I don't know. We're going to find that out. But, you know, it's um, to me at least, that's a guy who's got a lot of experience, and I think Hugh Freeze uh, would value a guy like that.
2: Chris, last time we talked to you, we speculated on Tyler Buckner to Alabama. We were kind of casting doom and gloom over it, at least down here, and then two days later, well, it actually happened. Uh, your initial reactions to it and reactions since?
5: Yeah, it's it's interesting that, that they did bring in Buckner. I mean, I thought it was a possibility, but, um, man, it, it it feels like you wouldn't go to, to the lengths of bringing a guy like that in unless you thought he had a good chance to be your starter, and it just – You know, again, he's a four-star kid. It's not like he was some scrub quarterback, but his numbers at Notre Dame weren't, you know, weren't eye-popping. It just feels weird you would bring a guy like that into Alabama. But it's funny. I think on three had a headline today. It said Alabama is looking for their Stetson Bennett, and it just seems funny that you know Alabama for the longest was the standard with guys like Tua and Mac Jones and Bryce Young, and now. Uh, it's almost like they're resorting back to Bama 10 years ago. All right, we're going to have dominant run game, dominant defense, and can we find a good, safe game manager who won't give the ball away, which obviously we saw Milro and Simpson turn the ball over in the spring game a couple times, so you know, it's <laughs> is Tyler Buckner the safe pick. Um, it seems like that's what they're betting on, but that's not going to get Bama fans excited at all, bringing in a you know guy who might be a game manager. Maybe that's underselling him. I mean, maybe Buckner gets in there, starts to yell at the pieces, and becomes very productive and is the guy, but it just, I know a lot of Alabama fans thought it was a very underwhelming move.
1: Speaking of what's not an underwhelming move was the moves that the Houston Texans and their new head coach, D'Amico Ryan's made and really kind of throwing their entire franchise offensively and defensively to C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, and they'll give up the next five or six years, maybe even seven if you're able to get that type of productivity into a second contract for either one of those guys, especially if they're able to continue to turn the Texans franchise around.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, in the two moves, you get your franchise quarterback who, you know, is the second-best quarterback in this draft. Some people, you know, even who had concerns about Bryce Young's height, you know, some people had C.J. Stroud as the the best quarterback in this draft. So the Texans, you know, exciting that they landed him. You know, we were talking in recent days on our shows about, uh, you know, are they going to have to roll with Davis Mills next year, or Case Keenum? You, know, you solve all those problems by going and getting a guy to this extent that's just talented, and, uh, and C.J. Stroud. So that's exciting. And then to get Will Anderson, again, I, you guys know how big of a fan I am of him. You know, I think he has a chance to be a generational-type talent. I mean, he was a playmaker on the field for Alabama the last two years, and I think he'll be ready to go from day one in the NFL. It'll be interesting to see how the Texans use him to, because all signs point to uh, D'Amico Ryan's coming from San Francisco. They're going to run more of a 4-3. So, you know, can Will play that true edge? Is he a true defensive end? Is he more that outside linebacker, you know, stands up and brushes the passer? I think they'll figure all that out. I mean, to me, you know, when you got a a player like him that's so talented, you fit the scheme to him. You don't tell him he's got to fit your scheme. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. But just two, two great talents. It's funny. You know, a lot of people are making a lot out of the Texans to give up their first next year. And they're just assuming the Texans are going to be terrible again and, you know, we'll have a top-five pick. I don't know about that. I mean, the more I look at what they've added this offseason, they've upgraded their offensive line. They've got some new pieces on the defense. They brought in Jimmy Ward from the 49ers to play in D'Amico's defense again. I mean, I think if everything clicks, it's a bad division. I mean, the Colts are going through a little bit of a retooling with Anthony Richardson. Uh, you know, we know the the Titans, they just drafted Will, Will uh, Levis because they don't have faith in Ryan Tannehill. There was rumors they wanted to, wanted to trade Derrick Henry. And then uh, the Jaguars, I mean, they took a step forward last year, but I don't know if anybody's going to call them world beaters. So, I mean, I could look at the Texans team and say five, six, maybe seven wins is doable next year. I mean, that's not going to make the playoffs, but it's a big leap from where they've been. And to me, you know, you give away that draft pick. Okay, let's say it's pick 10 or 11 next year. You know, the guy you took with that pick, is he going to be better than a Will Anderson? No, probably not. So, to me, it was worth the trade, and it was worth giving up the future pick. For a guy that you think can come in and be your leader and impact player immediately on defense.
2: Talking to Chris Gordy, Locked On SCC. Chris, were you surprised at the fall of Will Levis, or or was it kind of on brand for what you expected in the draft?
5: No, I was pretty surprised. I mean, every everybody you talked to said, you know, that that most people had a first round grade on him and thought, if anything, you know, just out of need, somebody's going to reach and take him somewhere in the middle of the round, middle of the first, if he were to fall. But I think just a couple teams got scared off, and, you know, from what we heard talking with some people, that some some said he he had a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of cockiness in the meetings with them, and then, uh, you know, a few people said that he had a medical with, with a toe injury that didn't check out, so whatever the reason was, he fell, but, you know, he's in a good spot, at least, with the Tennessee Titans. I know they're not married to Tannehill. They took Malik Willis in the third round last year. He didn't look all that great in the, in the couple of games he got in, so... Uh it's in a good spot. I think Will Levis could be the starter in Indianapolis real soon.
1: Chris, was there any was there any doubt in your Tennessee, mind right? that, that the SEC was gonna go ahead and have the most players drafted for maybe the seventeenth or eighteenth consecutive year?
5: No, it's 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 what we've become accustomed to. I mean what is it, seventeen straight years they've had the most uh the most picks in the draft period, uh eight straight years. They've either tied or had outright the most first-round picks. It's, it's where the best football plays, where the best talent uh, plays, and it wasn't a surprise to me. The SEC is just chock full of so much talent, and uh, year in, year out, I mean, wait till they add Texas and Oklahoma. You're going to have even more guys that are getting drafted from, from this conference. So uh, no surprise there. I, and I thought maybe, you know, the number in the first round was a little low. I thought we would have had a little bit more. I thought the Big Ten did a good job of getting – uh, more guys drafted than maybe we thought. But, I mean, you guys watch it week in and week out. We know where the best footballs played.
1: Without question, it is definitely played in the Southeastern Conference. And, Chris, as we're moving forward to next year, what is the gap in your mind in the last minute and a half that we have with you between Georgia and Alabama and the rest of the SEC? Is it that large of a gap, or is Georgia by far – going to be the best team moving into preseason number one next year as well
5: well look i mean georgia's they're back-to-back champs for a reason uh you know they bring back some elite level talent even with everything they lost in the draft i mean they're they're absolutely loaded once again their schedule this year is a joke so i think all that combined together makes you look at it and say, I don't, I don't see where Georgia slips up. I mean, you know, Carson Beck looked like the real deal in the spring game. We know the ground game is going to be good. I just – it's hard for me not to see Georgia as a team that's going not going to be the favorite, you know, preseason number one and uh, expected to go undefeated and, and run the table. And, yeah, I think there is a big gap. You know, if Alabama had their quarterback thing figured out, I think they'd be right there. Uh, you know, LSU's got a lot back on offense, but they've got questions on defense uh tennessee people are hoping joe milton can pick up right where hendon hooker H- hooker left off but we're gonna see that real quick out of the gate to start the season uh i think there is just a big big gap uh with Georgia and the rest of the crew and there's a reason why i was just in vegas and put a little bet on carson Beck to being the heisman oh. winner at plus three thousand because uh I think he's got as good a chance as anybody.
2: Last question I'll ask you, Chris. I know we're about to run out of time with you, and I'll probably ask you this at least five more times over the course of the off season. but who starts for Alabama at quarterback against Texas?
5: <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, if you asked me literally a week ago at this time, I would have said Ty Simpson uh a few weeks before that i would have said Jalen Milro and, and today i'm gonna say tyler buckner I, like i said again. i'm gonna
2: ask you five more times so it's so it's okay <laughs> yeah. this is t- time one of five yeah. we'll say buckner today Yes, yeah.
1: yeah today we'll say tyler buckner absolutely love it chris gordy how can people right. catch everything where you're locked on sec podcast and everything else that you have
5: yeah just wherever you get your podcast locked on sec and uh We'll, we'll actually have an interview coming up this week. We've got uh, Arkansas' lineman Tykeus Crawford going to join us, so we'll get the skinny from him on the impact of Danny. He has had on the offense, uh, K.J. Jefferson coming back for another year, and uh, we'll uh, continue to go around the SEC over these next couple weeks as we head into the uh, the
1: spring into summer months. Chris, can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon on the final drive and look forward to talking to you again real soon.
5: All right. Thanks, guys.
1: Chris Gordy. Locked on SEC, and you're locked into the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 with Corey Labounty and Michael Brauner.
0: This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide, and God bless.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And I want to thank Chris Gordy for jumping on with us there. Locked on SEC. And, you know, so many quarterbacks coming in as rookies. And you you don't really see sometimes there is a quarterback class to where you have eight or nine guys that you have an opportunity to choose from. But anytime you start looking for the next Big franchise player. And Bryce Young, of course, by far, that next franchise quarterback. Next year, Southern Cal has a Heisman Trophy winner that they they feel he could possibly be the next big thing at quarterback. Will Levis, to me, he has the biggest chip on his shoulder out of any quarterback. And to me, there's more pressure now on Anthony Richardson – than Will Levis, for certain, just because of where they were drafted. And C.J. Stroud, when you're picked number two, and then, of course, defensively number three, there was no question as to where the betters and where the money was going to go in regards to who the best quarterback was going to be out of Bryce and C.J. in regards to who was going to be one and two. I think the the order was going to be three, four, five, and all the way on down to quarterbacks 8 and 9. But when you start looking at or valuing and trying to evaluate, will it be Bryce Young having an opportunity to win rookie of the year as a quarterback, or who will be that first-year wonder at the quarterback position that's just going to make everybody say, damn,
2: that was a good draft choice? I'll tell you what, Chris Gordy is drinking some Houston Kool-Aid if he thinks that team is not going to have a top-five pick. And uh, by the way, it's not going to be them having a top-five pick. It's going to be the Arizona Cardinals having a top-five pick. Man, I hope for the Texans' sake that Will Anderson is Miles Garrett slash TJ Watt slash Nick Bosa slash whatever legendary pass rusher you want to insert the name of because the Texans very well might have pick one and two or the Cardinals very well might have picks one and two next year like that's not completely out of the realm of possibility it's we need to you need to consider that and realize that like if Kyler, let's say Kyler's rehab isn't going well and he maybe Kyler just decides you know what I don't really want to play for this team anymore uh and just decides to almost not necessarily sit the year out but decide he, he's not going to put himself in a situation where he's going to rush back from a torn ACL late in the season. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be bad, and I think they're going to be bad even with Kyler. But, and then they have that Houston pick. There is not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Arizona Cardinals have the one and two pick in this draft, which is unbelievable. But yes, Houston is going to have a top five pick. CJ Stroud is not making that team more than a four-win team. I, I'm pretty certain
1: of that. They were a three-win team last year.
2: So, like and i believe in D'Amico. i think he's gonna be do a good job but i just think there's so many holes on that team no i think they did kill it in the draft i think tank dell was a great pick out of houston jim nagy tell you he's the best route runner in the entire draft uh they get toe late and you know they got christian harris last year and obviously you get john mechie back uh from his leukemia situation that caused him to miss his rookie year so they, they got pieces but I don't know. I I think there it, it's just too much of a mess to really write the ship. Now you are in a terrible division if you're uh if you're Houston. I think Jacksonville wins 11 games this year, but that being said, I think the uh the Texans maybe win 6 games. Uh so in terms of most rookie success, how could it not be Bryce Young? I mean, you're in the NFC South. You got by the way, Jonathan Mingo, sneaky like maybe one of the best picks of the draft early in the second round uh, you know I said on Friday when he was still on the board that he's going to be the best receiver of this class and I still do believe that and you know you bring in Adam Thielen this offseason I but Panthers are going to be all right this year you're in the NFC South and Panthers won seven games last year I don't know I who do you think is going to have the most success this year r- rookie wise I, I really think that Bryce Young
1: it just depends on how you define success. Do you want to define success as wins? Do you want to define success as touchdown to interception ratio? How how do you want to define success? I think it's
2: I think it's yeah, which which makes this kind of a muddied conversation because I do think it's different for each quarterback. Like take Anthony Richardson for example. That team is bad and is going to be bad. And again, it's ironically it's the AFC South too. Uh, but the Colts are are pretty atrociously terrible. But if Anthony Richardson is starting early, because again, you know what was the knock on him that he's this project guy who has all the tools but probably isn't going to be ready. Again. Now we're uh, post draft. We're finding out Anthony Richardson is going to have a shot to start Week One. If he's starting Week One right off the bat, first of all, that's a victory for the Colts because that means he showed enough in training camp um, to be the Week One starter. So, right right off the bat, that's some good success for Anthony Richardson if he's starting the season as a starter. Now you are competing with, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew. So, you know, I I should hope you have a good chance to win that job if you are the fourth overall pick. But, yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Richardson is going to throw a lot of picks this year. I don't think that team's going to win a lot of games, whereas Bryce Young, I think, is in a different spot. He's in an ultra-weak division in the NFC, should have every opportunity to win that division, a team that won seven games last year and was in it till the end last season. Uh, so for Bryce Young, like, I think a very successful year. And this sounds crazy to say for a team that, they didn't have the number one overall pick. They had the ninth overall pick, but a team that was picking first overall, I mean, they could make the playoffs. That's not that crazy to say coming out of the NFC South. In a weak NFC, significantly weaker than the AFC at least. Twelve quarterbacks selected within
1: the first five rounds, and that set a draft record for the most quarterbacks selected within that first five-round time period. And it's not every year that you have this many quarterbacks to select from. So that's why I feel that this 2023 draft, not only because of all the trades, but because of the quarterback cycle that comes through. If you have a chance to even find you a backup that can hold the clipboard or when your starting quarterback is injured, that can come in and be productive. And I'm not saying take you to a Super Bowl because that's something that's not unheard of from a backup quarterback coming in to take the reins. But I think that the value that you receive, if you're Will Levis, to me, get the pressure's on Anthony Richardson. I just feel that's where the pressure is. I just, that's where the pressure will maybe, continue maybe to be.
2: career-wise, but it's not like they have to win games this year. And it's not even like Anthony Richardson has to be particularly good this year because again like even like the knock on him is the fact that he's this project guy. So if he's starting week 1, again if you want to talk about career pressure, like I said, I agree because you know people people will remember the bust of Anthony Richardson if he's not good just because a lot he was such this polarizing prospect. So people were so split on him. Uh that being said, you know, if uh, if he's starting early in his career, this early in his career week one of his rookie season yeah he's probably gonna have to work through some interceptions i look at i think peyton manning set a rookie record for interceptions his his uh his rookie year i mean anthony richardson will work through some stuff he's probably not going to be a star right out of the gate i'm starting to believe a little bit more that he could be a good nfl quarterback i'm not fully then nick wiggins comes in here and says you know he's a mixture of. Uh, what are we on? Joe Montana, Hercules, Jesus, and, and, and like five <laughs> five different things there and, and makes me want to think he's going to be terrible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he could be OK. I don't know.
1: I'm I, s- I like the fact that in the AFC South, you are going to get a chance to see CJ Stroud and you're also going to get a chance to see Anthony Richardson within the same division go toe to toe. And that's that's how you can kind of easily or it's easier to make those comparisons when you look. In that division. That's where you want to see because the Jets 7 and 10 you have you bring in Aaron Rodgers. OK, that that that's a phenomenal pickup by the Jets and. I don't think it's Super Bowl or bust for the Jets. It's let's just make the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. But for these young quarterbacks, having an opportunity to come into and immediately play, C.J. Stroud is going to take those snaps for the Colts. Yeah, he'll be starting, or C.J. Stroud, for,
2: for the Texans. Correct. Okay. And Bryce Young. Yeah, he'll be starting week one for he, sure.
1: He'll, he'll be starting as well. And I think that in the NFC South, with the Saints having a new quarterback, the Bucks having a new quarterback, the Panthers having a new quarterback, the Falcons. <laughs> well, I'm I, not quite sure you want to call it a new quarterback, but that
2: division, the NFC <laughs> South. Nick Wiggins would tell you that Desmond Ritter hasn't thrown a pick in his career. And that Which that's is in, true. That's important. Uh, that's important too. You think uh speaking of Tampa Bay cuz they signed Baker Mayfield this off season. Remember Kyle Trask from Florida in 2020? You <laughs> yeah. know you know he's been on that on that Bucs team since uh since that draft. He's the, actually the only other quarterback on the roster right now. Uh and I think by all accounts they actually like him. Like and that's the reason why he's still been on the roster. I can't remember. I think he was a second round pick, maybe third. Definitely Don't forget about
1: Baker Mayfield.
2: Definitely. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm asking you, like, does Kyle Trask have any chance to throw his hat in the ring? Or is it, like surely Baker Mayfield's not just going to be handed the starting job. He's Baker Mayfield.
1: Kyle Trask is, is he's he, he, not going to take it from Baker. But the Buccaneers Baker might hand it to him. Th- th- that's that's why I, why I say Kyle needs to be ready. He's definitely going to have to stay ready because he's, he may not earn the starting job, but he may be forced to take the starting job before it's all said and done for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And and that's why I, I just, you have to laugh at this division. That Florida team was fun. How bad they were,
2: yeah. Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney. And, man, Very they, explosive. The only team that gave that Alabama team a fight legitimately. It was by far the closest game, and that's, t- oh, I guess old Miss too. But it's really the uh, the only super close game towards the end of the season. Obviously, weather the storm in Oxford, it's a game they could have lost. But, uh, you know, that Florida team was a lot of fun. I-, I loved watching Kyle Trask that year, but I don't know. He's kind of just been rotting away behind Tom Brady. Well,
1: he doesn't not, have to worry not about rotting. Rotting, rotting behind Baker Mayfield because, to me, Baker's going to wind up giving him the starting position before it's all said and done and i think it may be before they hit week six
2: one would think you've probably learned more sitting behind tom brady than baker has learned in the past couple of years bouncing around the league so i give the mental edge to kyle trask honestly i think kyle trask is gonna win this job this is why i put it out there i i, I don't think don't he'll be win be
1: <laughs> I, I don't think he'll win the. i think he'll win the job by default sometime like i say by week six He'll win the job by default, mm. not just flat out coming and, and, and being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm a Baker hater, too. so. Well, I credit Baker Mayfield. I'm going to go back to, to what he did decide to do, which was brilliant on his behalf, to go ahead and decide to come to the Senior Bowl. And by coming here to Mobile, Alabama, and not taking necessarily reps in the game, But doing what he needed to do throughout that week, that was huge for Baker Mayfield because you have a Heisman Trophy type of quarterback. It's not often that you have those type of guys who do come and have an opportunity to play in the best college all-star game that's around. But to see Baker Mayfield in Mobile, Alabama, taking great reps throughout the week, making that money for himself, I'm not quite sure he's done anything outside of his rookie year and all the hype that was thrown onto him. But to give a job away by week six by default, that's going to be fun to watch, to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sit and battle with the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Because you you know what you're getting in Bryce Young. And and you can't, to me, say that Baker Mayfield and Bryce Young are on the same type of level. Because to me, they're not. The only thing in common is the word Heisman in the same sentence. The Hmm. Saints at 7-10, Panthers at 7-10, and and Falcons at 7-10, all with those identical records coming out of the NFC South. So not a lot of expectations to me, even for the Buccaneers, who win the division at 8-9. That's what's funny, too. 8-9, you win a division in the National Football League. And that's not the only division to where you can really struggle and still have an opportunity to not only make the playoffs, but still find a way to get a better roster the next year as well. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5, Corey Labonte and Michael Brawner getting ready to wrap up our number two. And, yeah, the opening kickoff, yeah, Mark, yeah, Lee. We we heard you this morning, and and it, like I say, I'm gonna t- keep my man Lee Chevanian. I'll keep I'll keep his name out of my I, mouth in regards to to him wanting to smoke. I just can't believe they banned
2: golf from the list.
1: They didn't they didn't want they, they didn't want to off see the you. They the list. They didn't want to see they you. They
2: didn't want any of it. They didn't want to see I you. I thought that was cowardly move. But but
1: I tell you, Markham, trust me. We, we, we heard, I got I got a couple phone calls letting me know that your challenge was out there. And, and just know that Michael Brown and I, whether it's you and Nick Wiggins or you and Lee Shavanian, we're ready. We're ready for you. Bring it. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi,
5: I'm Bobby Humphrey. And when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 in the college football playoff. It's expanding to 12 teams beginning in 2024. And is there a lot of excitement? It's expanding the college football playoff. Is 12 the magic number or will it jump to 16? Of course, four. it started off with two before there was a playoff system. Just had that national championship game and then
2: you turn around and you expand it to four and now we're at 12 yeah but i'm a bit of a radicalist on this one maybe maybe one of these days we'll have a a debate on it when things get real dry over the summer Yeah, i would get rid of bowl games altogether and make like a 25 team playoff that's just me like i said i'm i'm a little bit radical on that one uh but you know they're they're you know, I'm happy with twelve over four. The more teams, the better in in uh, in the college football playoff. In my eyes, so.
1: first round games take place on the campuses of the higher seeded teams. I think that that's something that's gonna save in travel and and add a little bit more excitement in another game to the college football playoff. I'm mean, I, I like the transition over to twelve teams, and as far as transitioning teams tj finley has transitioned teams how do you go from starting quarterback in the sec to looking for a team in the portal looking for a team that's going to snatch
2: you up it'll be your third school i mean do do you want do you want me to answer that absolutely rhetorical it's rhetorical. Because <laughs> I have an answer for you it's in T.J. Rhetorical. Finley's case. It, it, it's rhetorical. He, he wasn't very good would yeah, be the it, answer. It, it's rhetorical. He wa- not, even ve- not very good would be generous in T.J. Finley's case at least. But, yeah, so, yeah, I, I figured it was rhetorical. It, it really was. I mean,
1: I think that when you look at T.J. Finley, the the writing was on the wall there. You knew he was going to be leaving Auburn. The biggest question for Auburn remains where are they going to go to find their quarterback is it nebraska is it michigan state because what what they have coming back i just don't know if it's gonna help them And, and it may not be a situation for auburn to where you have seven eight wins if you're lucky this year for a radical change, that eight wins—that's th- th- a radical. That's a radical number. Well, now. that's
2: the thing. Like their non-conference schedule is so easy. It's like Cal and and was it UMass? U-Mass. And, right. I I mean, there's like four surefire wins on there, and so, you know, I guess when you say eight, eight sounds crazy, but it's not like if they make dramatic improvements, it's not that crazy. And I think. <clears throat> I hesitate to say I think, but I think they have a chance to win the Iron Bowl, at least a pretty good chance. In that Voodoo Magic Stadium, you have to give them a good chance.
1: Stellar career at Auburn. Seven touchdowns and five interceptions, averaging six and a half yards per pass attempt. So will he wind up at another Power Five school? Wouldn't it be ironic if he winds up back in the SEC on a third roster in the SEC? SEC. But, no, T.J. Finley, I Mm, think, wants to go somewhere and play immediately. And it's not going to be at a Power 5 school. It's not going to be in the SEC. But I do wish T.J. Finley the best. And, you know, Auburn on the resume, LSU on the resume, his third one, yet to be determined. But T.J. Finley has hit the graduate portal and is no longer part of the Auburn football Program. The Final Drive here on WNSP. D'Orlando Orlando Ledbetter coming up to talk about the Dirty Birds in the ATL. Coming up next here on the Final Drive.
0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey the Bounty and Michael Brauner joining you this evening. And of course, we have been talking heavy about the NFL draft. They concluded this past Saturday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday hours upon hours of dreams that were made true. And, of course, our own producer of the opening kickoff, Nick Wiggins, is a huge Atlanta Falcons fan. And who better to bring in to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and their draft? The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Falcons beat reporter D. Orlando Ledbetter. Welcome to the final drive, Mr. Ledbetter. Hey, thanks for
4: having me on, Mike and Corey. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, sir. And i tell you what, the Dirty Birds in Atlanta were a little bit, the other birds outside of the nest were a little bit shocked when the Falcons went with one of the best running backs considered in the country, and B. John Robinson with that eighth overall pick. And, When you start looking at the best available, what made the Falcons, do you think, go with Robinson?
4: Well, you know, they thought he was, uh, you know, a top five talent. To get a top five talent at the eighth spot, you know, uh, they couldn't pass up the value that they were getting at that position. You know, folks want to undervalue their position, but they truly believe he's a, a special running back who will fit into their scheme, and they decided to pull the trigger on him as opposed to, um, you know, Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle with all the red flags, or a defensive end like uh, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. So they thought that might have been too high for Van Ness, and then they had issues with Carter. So their best player on the board was the running back,
1: John Robinson. Well, the Falcons 7-10. and 10. A year ago, if the Falcons in this really crazy NFC South, when you have three teams that all finished seven and ten, if they can flip that over to ten and seven this year, Desmond Ritter, is he the future of Atlanta Falcons football?
4: Yeah, I think so. I don't don't know how far long term are we talking? Are we talking 14 years like Matt Ryan? Are we talking if he is just a placeholder for a couple years? Uh, you know, if they don't succeed, then they'll be back looking for a quarterback. If they succeed, he's got a chance to be entrenched uh, for a while here in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, they definitely have surrounded him with weapons, uh, much like the Falcons did when they drafted Matt Ryan. They put all the the weapons around him, Michael Turner and uh, drafted uh, Julio Jones to go with Roddy White and got Tony Gonzalez for him. So uh, yeah, they're definitely trying to do the surrounding the the quarterback with some weapons things here in Atlanta.
2: Was there any consideration to trading down? You brought up the fact that they thought it was too early for a Lucas Van Ness. And I understand that Bijan was their best player on the board, but at a certain point, like positional value has to play a factor.
4: Yeah, they uh, they did consider trading down, but uh, didn't get enough um, value to do so. Uh, you know, they might have traded back, and then they would have missed out on Van Ness if they went back too far, or, uh, you know, Nolan Smith was there late, so they didn't want to go back that far uh, for the guys that were, you know, the next couple pass rushers, so... Uh, uh, yeah, they uh, they thought about it, but you know, when you're in the top ten, you gotta you got a chance to get what you believe to be an impact player. Uh, you need to pull the trigger on that.
1: Well, they pulled the trigger in round number seven on the Alabama Crimson Tide's Demarco Helms, and it looks like the Falcons overall went with a lot of defensive backs. Was that their biggest weakness a year ago? That led to them only winning seven games?
4: Yeah, well, the whole defense was uh, in the bottom half of the league and everything, so they didn't really do um, uh, stopping the run, rushing the pass, or covering anybody. So they spent like $88.8 million in free agency on the defense, um, you know, mostly up front. And so in the draft, it made sense that they were going to go try to get some defensive back help especially after they cut Casey Hayward uh, the week before the draft. So they got another cornerback. They got a safety who will come in and um, back up the uh, safety they drafted two years ago, Richie Grant. and then they paid Jesse Bates a great deal of money in free agency. So they at least got some people to run out there and uh, uh, see if they can improve their pass coverage and thereby improve their
2: ability to rush the passer and get some sacks. Talking to D. Orlando Ledbetter, he covers the Falcons for the the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Uh, what do you think of the rest of the Falcons' draft? You get Matthew Bergeron, some offensive tackle help, and then Zach Harrison, some some help on the defensive line in the second and third round. What do you think of the uh, round rounding out the rest of the class? Obviously, Demarco Hallams in the seventh round from Alabama as well.
4: Yeah, no doubt. They, uh, you know, the second round pick's gonna be moved to guard. They have a hole at left guard. So it'll be a matter of if they can get him ready and if he can beat out Jalen Mayfield, who started there two years ago. So uh, that, that could be a very good pick. The third-round pick, he's a five-star um, out of Ohio State who came on the last couple of years that they think has a lot of upside. They don't have to play him right away. They could learn. Uh, he can learn behind Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree, a couple of the veterans they signed in free agency. So uh, he's a guy that could... Uh, uh, you know, they want to develop that Ryan Nelson of Saints Warmer defensive line coach you have a chance to develop him. Uh, and then, you know, they uh, they took another lineman from South Carolina who will provide some depth at Garden Center and Joe Von Gwynn.
1: When you look at high school football in Alabama and Georgia, per capita, of course, the southern states always do a phenomenal job. We all know about the pipeline in Florida that's always been connected, Louisiana, of course, Georgia, and Alabama. What is it about the South, especially the smaller per capita states? Of course, Mobile, Baldwin County, per capita, the most NFL players that come into the National Football League, coming right here from the Mobile, Baldwin County area. but. Georgia produces its fair share as you look at Will Anderson Jr., and of course, the success of the Georgia Bulldogs now in that state, also.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that it, you know, starts with the early age here to youth football and just goes all the way up. Uh, The, um, you know, Georgia got 25 people drafted in this draft, which was second only to Florida and Texas. Uh, You know, that's down a little bit from the 30-something they had last year, 33, uh, and a lot of people from Cedar Grove High, uh, you know, and uh, Justin Schaefer and D'Angelo Malone and the big tight end uh, from Virginia. But, uh, uh, yeah, the football starts earlier here. The players get developed. You got great high school coaching on all levels, 6A all the way down to single A. Uh, But they have that in Ohio, too. Uh, But you just don't have the speed up there and and the – you know, athletes that uh, we do in the South. So they play good old hard-nosed Big Ten football in Ohio. I know that. Uh, You know, not so much in Indiana and Illinois. But certainly, um, you know, and they don't get to play spring ball as much as we do down here uh, because the weather's so bad. And so, you know, you get more games in down here, even in uh, Little League. You get, you know, you might play 15 games and go to a turkey bowl. And uh, the kids (laughs) up there might – might play uh, eight or nine games and, and that's it for them. So you might, you know over five years if you got five extra games and you're gonna be a little bit more talented, a little bit more technically sound than some of those players.
1: D. Orlando Ledbetter, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Falcons beat writer. Last question for you again: seven and ten, the Falcons a year ago. Can the Falcons go ten and seven? or will they continue to be at the bottom of this division?
4: Well, you know, I think they have an opportunity to. uh, You know, when you bring in so many people, you forgot your first free agency class, you got some money, you got three draft classes. Now you got to put it all together. You know, you just don't run out on the football field and start playing a team sport at a high level. So. Uh, You know, it's going to take them time to put it together, but they certainly uh, want to. And the owners, uh, you know, pushing them to put it all together here fast uh, and, uh, you know, return to the uh, least contending for the playoffs. I mean, legitimately, you know, last year that whole seven and, you know, everybody's trying to get the eight wins to win the division. That was bootleg. But legitimately putting a playoff team together, where you're getting a chance to to go in and uh, have a chance to win a game, we'll have to see if they got enough uh, pieces together to do that. That's the same case in Carolina. I think the Saints will be favored to win it, whereas Tampa Bay they're going to bottom out. Not expecting too much for them uh, from them this year in the NFC South.
1: The Orlando led better. How can people follow all of your great coverage of the Atlanta Falcons?
4: Oh, well, thank you. Our, our webpage is ajc.com, and we push out all the stories on uh, Twitter on D Orlando AJC and also on Facebook on our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now.
1: Thank you so much, D Orlando. Look forward to talking to you again as the season gets ready to ramp up OTAs in full effect, and we'll definitely lean on you for our Falcons updates.
4: Thank you, Mike and Corey. Thanks for having me, and be glad to help. Have a great day.
1: Do the same. Orlando Ledbetter, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Falcons beat writer, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And Michael and I have been talking about the smoke that the opening kickoff has brought and the competition that they want in the app, let us know. We've had some very interesting competitions that we should participate in, whether it's Mark and Nick or Lee and Nick, whatever combination they want. Bronner and I ready to step up to the plate and compete with them in any sport that they want. The smoke in, we're definitely ready to go ahead and bring it to them. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 continues.
4: everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. You're listening to 105.5 WNST in Mobile.
1: Michael Bronner, Mark Heim and Nick Wiggins have gotten pretty good at their impersonations of you and I both. So that means that we definitely have to
2: like here's the thing. I'll, I'll admit I just did it like my voice and your voice are both easier to impersonate than Mark Haim and Nick Wiggins and you know what's funny like my dad will pull out a Nick Wiggins impression every now and then, <laughs> like if I'm on the phone with him, <laughs> and, and I think it's pretty terrible. It makes me laugh, but I don't think it sounds anything like Nick. Yeah, hey Michael, like it, it's not even close. I, I'm working on. I'm telling you, every, all the
1: listeners, we just start practicing. That the, when you listening, it's kind of when flock. you're listening to to Mark and Nick and Lee in the morning, and Nick and Mark give their impersonations and it started last week at walk-ons gave us an opportunity to hear and i, I think their second impersonation this morning got even better than did what it. they I, did i'll have to go back and listen i didn't hear the second and one. that's that's what? part of the great part about wnsp now to <laughs> where you can go back and check out all the podcasts that are available if you missed the morning show if you miss this show or any of the 30 minute podcasts that are done here live on Wednesdays get excited for tomorrow you have an opportunity to to go deep throw it deep live
2: with Michael Bronner here at 5 30 tomorrow afternoon breaking down the draft as as if you know we haven't done enough of that you know so myself and Owen are going to break it down tomorrow if you if you don't listen to throw it deep you should be check it out new episode will come out tomorrow and you'll get a live version of said episode tomorrow so it's going to be a it's going to be a great day
1: well, we, we've we been talking also today about Henry Ruggs officially he, he pleading guilty to a felony charge of DUI, going to receive anywhere from three to ten years. And that's just a tragic situation when you take away a life and you just don't make the best of decisions in regards to how he just didn't listen. And, and Nick Saban has used this. As hopefully a teaching tool for his incoming athletes, his current athletes, and anyone that's in the pros who wants to look at an opportunity to where you can have it all taken away with you by the decisions you make, becoming impaired behind the wheel. Yeah. Didn't have that no guy. Didn't have someone to tell him no. For whatever reason, he just didn't want to listen.
2: Yeah. now we've done a lot of joking around today, but in all seriousness, uh definitely with this being resurfaced it it certainly is worth talking about again I I thought that Nick Saban at the time had probably the best message it's like what kind of what kind of teammate were you when you didn't like you said be that no guy and uh kind of not necessarily not that people you know I think people are people make their own decisions I'm not absolving anyone of A decision they make, obviously, and and I wouldn't absolve anyone of a decision they make. Obviously, you're responsible for your own decision-making and personal responsibility is the most important thing. But at the same time, it's like, what kind of teammate were you? And for not saying to that guy, hey, you know, maybe maybe get a cab. So, you know, it, it definitely comes down to personal responsibility, but also comes down to the fact that, like, hey, see something, say something. And a tragedy could have been prevented and a life could have been saved. So... Definitely uh, worth mentioning there. Deontay Wilder,
1: the bronze bomber, he gets arrested and charged with possession of a concealed weapon. Now, if he's in Alabama, he's fine. He was was in the wrong L.A. Instead of being in lower Alabama, he
2: was in Los Angeles. And, (laughs) well, ironically, (laughs) he would have had so the, he didn't get in trouble for for th- the weed that was in the car, and he did get in trouble for the concealed weapon that was in the car. If it was in the other L.A., it might might have been the reverse, which ultimately probably would have worked more in the favor of Deontay Wilder from a legal standpoint, at least. Uh, yeah, absolutely, would have litter- worked out better for him. A roll, a roll reversal there. You know that the uh, the marijuana would have been more of an issue in that case.
1: But it, it's just why you start looking at the the different type of state rules and having to know where you are and what you're doing. And we want to see him fight Anthony Joshua because we love to see heavyweights go at it. And I think that hopefully this won't interfere it, but having 42 knockouts on your resume, this one he'll be able to go ahead and get a great attorney and have – Plead to something of a lesser charge, and Deontay Water will be just fine. Also, we talked about TJ Finley leaving Auburn officially, getting in the portal, and Greg McElroy. We let off the today's show <laughs> talking about Greg McElroy and what he had to say about Georgia being the king of college football. Why is there so much hatred for Greg McElroy? I, in
2: I the, think in the app, that, by because he he's he's a Bama quarterback. But I feel like it was from Bama fans that regularly comment. At this point, he's not a Bama quarterback. At this point, he's like an ESPN analyst. That's the role that he is fit. And to be non-biased and to do the outstanding
1: job he does. He kills it. I love Greg. Phenomenal job. And understands and processes the game better than most. Has been through more than most. And has had the ups and downs of his career. So he can speak on it with experience. But to say that Georgia's the king of college football, no lies detected. None. Zero. And for him to say it publicly and to say that there's separation between Georgia and the rest of the college football world, absolutely 100% on
2: point. It's just like, and we'll say it throughout the season and – deny it if you want but george is going 12 when they're going to atlanta at at the minimum because take a look at their schedule and uh but we're gonna say it until there's a reason not to say it i mean george is on top of college football right now could alabama go and beat them in the sec championship sure could lsu if alabama has a bad season go and beat them in the call in the sec championship maybe auburn has a miracle a season in the sec west probably not but maybe uh, I mean, it's it's not this foregone conclusion that they're going to go in three p. Again, it hasn't been done since what was it, Minnesota, and like n- in the '40s. So, and again, I brought this up the other day, but if it was a college football playoff era at the time of the kick six, Alabama would have still had a chance to three p. <laughs> I-,
1: I can't argue with you on that. It's just George is now in-, in the here and now, and, and it's going to have an opportunity to make college football history within the next 30 minutes of the show we we're, we're going to go ahead and c- continue to try to find that athletic challenge that will fit the final drive versus the opening kickoff and like i said lee lee is kind of been that referee so he's not really going to be involved but we and we have to find that sport
2: well we got to determine we could find a sport that lee could play and we could find a fair comparison third for us or we could, f- or we could find a sport that Lee can referee, like shuffleboard or something like that. We could find, we could find a third for shuffleboard, something like that.
1: And, and it may be a situation where Lee's not into video games. Maybe there's some type of other game that that Lee likes to play. Somebody recommended board games for Lee Chebanian.
2: <laughs> we'll talk about this on the other side for sure. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile.
1: Welcome back to the final drive. Mark Hyde issued the challenge. And I will give Mark Hyde credit for this. His impersonations are spot on. Of Michael Bronner and myself. Nick Wiggins doesn't do a bad job either. And, and Lee just likes to say, okay, I, give us a little bit more. So we're working on our impersonate impersonations of Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim here on the final drive also. And not only that, we're looking for that competition that we can take the final drive versus the opening kickoff. And I've already said, you know, that if, if it's basketball, Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim want. They're they're done. They're cooked. Yeah, I'm poking that bear for sure.
2: That's interesting. I thought basketball might be one we'd struggle in because I know Nick is going to be better than me. I'm not terrible at basketball, but I'm not great. And I know Nick Nick might cook me. And I figure Mark has to have some sort of game. He's a former coach as well, or current, or whatever his deal is over at McGill. Uh, so I figure basketball might be the one I, I would be a little nervous on. But I'd still give us a shot. Basketball is funny because like that'd be the one they'd be supremely confident in, and I think I'd still give us a shot. Oh, hey, hey, you, you, we're not gonna have a shot. We,
1: we, we're gonna huh? we're gonna take it to him. I defend, you have, I got your back on that one, I bro. defend. I defend defend. defend i'll defend a little bit that's it i I just need you to go ahead and and take it take care of it someone just threw out a good one there's a cornhole competition
2: i'm good at cornhole i'm real
1: good at cornhole bob in the app give you credit for that one cornhole that's the best suggestion yet look i'm good at cornhole lee can handle that i know he knows what cornhole is not quite sure about some of
2: these other sports
1: but I think Lee Shravanian
2: can at least toss a beanbag. That's a two-on-two two game, a though. That's a two-on-two two game. So I, I would, I would be confident, supremely confident going up, unless you're just like the worst cornhole player ever, which I don't know. I haven't found that out about you, like because it is. Man, very, it's all in the wrist, the what? flick of the wrist, brother. It's, <laughs> it's the flick of the wrist. <laughs> It's very dependent on your partner, obviously, because cornhole is a game where it's two sets of matchups. I I could handle Nick Wiggins and just destroy him in cornhole, and then if you could like hold Mark Heim, like at least keep him in check. Oh my God, it it wouldn't be close. It it it'd get ugly. Disc golf is something that I I don't think Lee knows what disc golf
1: is. Mm. So so they said Mobile is the city of change. I've never
2: heard that one.
1: I I just don't. I don't think Lee would would be willing. We we have to hit the sport that Lee is willing to participate. Cornhole, I can see him participating. In a beer pong, I think Mark and Lee both probably are out, so we don't have an opportunity for that. Tug of war, Lee, Lee doesn't he doesn't want to blow out his hammy. So Mark is out Lee, on beer pong. It's throwing a ball into a cup. I, I I just I don't think he'd be like, look, you just don't want to waste that beer. You well, know, he he, he wouldn't want to waste it. Dodgeball. Now, that would be great. Lee probably wouldn't get in on the dodgeball, but be I a, think he could be a ref Mark and Nick that would be pretty good. Now he could judge and referee the dodgeball. That that would be great to see. And whatever it is we decide to participate in, we're going to make sure we post it on WNSP's all social media we sites. You're going to out that list. It's definitely going to, and it may be a
2: series. Of events to where it's just not one game, like ten different sports, and like see who's the see who's the master at all sports. The opening kickoff versus the final drive, poker. I, I can see that. I- this is a good idea. I like this Car- cards. We gotta find a business that like really loves WNSP and just wants but wants to host the final face-off between the final drive and the opening kickoff. No when to hold them.
1: No when to fold them. For Lee Chevanian,
2: Lee can now, play poker.
1: Would 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 Lee select Mark as his partner, or would he select Nick as his partner? The WNSP Olympics, mm. absolutely. We'll, well, now some people may call it the Laugh Olympics. Back in the day, that that cartoon, Laugh Olympics. That's before my time. <laughs> it was pretty good, Bronner. It was pretty good. But the WNSP Olympics, we already have our Future Ones shirts that we could wear,
2: so I, I think that could make a special like WNSP Olympic shirt. It, it, I I would love to see to do it though. a special drop. You y'all who came out to walk on got a free T-shirt. You saw how nice those Future Ones WNSP T-shirts were. Get a little special uh, Olympic edition. So the question is, what
1: would Lee be willing to participate in? So. Nick Wiggins, Mark Heim, you got to ask Lee what sport he would be willing to participate in, not just officiate or referee or watch, but what can we get Lee to participate in to where he can battle Bronner and I, and it be Mark and Lee, and if they need to tag in Nick to bring him some good luck, who's our third? That's a great question. Now, I I know I, I like McCoy. Yeah. We get McCoy involved.
2: Dominoes or shuffleboard for Lee Sherbanian. Shuffleboard at least is an activity. I, I don't think dominoes counts.
1: <laughs> Someone says, put Lee in the bounce house. Oh, that's a joke going back to the senior bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh. that, that's pretty good, too. He probably has a fear of the bounce house. I, I would, too. He <laughs> doesn't want any part of that. But... At the same time, Mark Himes asked for it. He's going to get it. And we'll we'll let you guys, if it is a series of of events in sports, we have to let the listeners vote on what what they're going to see us participate in. Because easily, you know, you think of golf, you think of tennis, you think of pickleball. and, And I would love to see and play a little pickleball to get involved in that. Whether it's disc golf, shuffleboard, cornhole, we'll let you guys decide as listeners what the final drive can take on and what sports. How many do we need? Do we need four or five sports, or is it the, just three sports that that it's that odd number to where three out, you know, three games to two, you win the best of. Putt putt is a, a one that I. I absolutely, I think I would crush Michael Braun and I. We would crush Lee and Mark or Mark and Nick. Nick strikes me as a guy that would be really bad at putt-putt. We'll find out. I I, I I like putt-putt. That's one of the things that I would love to to challenge them in.
2: Yeah, I I really want to do like ten different things. So so n- n- Ma- not five. You're 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 finding that even number that we yeah, can battle. I, what, however however many, maybe fifteen, maybe twenty. So uh, maybe definitely three. a series. Definitely definitely multiple events. You know, I'm not gonna not gonna let Nick finagle like what whatever his best sport is, and because uh, he he'd find a way to do that. Ooh, bowling's a good one. Bowling
1: is great. Anything that. The breeds competition for When was the last time you went bowling? Probably about a month and a half ago. Yeah, actually same. so so I, I can I can dig I can dig bowling in regards to competition and finding that event that can be set as one of the sports that we participate in, the final drive versus the opening kickoff. Because the competition is real. I, I just I love that Mark wanted to bring bring all of it, bring all the smoke, bring all the heat this way. And and happily accept that challenge
2: from the opening kickoff. How'd you do when you were on the lanes last time? I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bowl over a hundred. I was pleasantly surprised with myself too, because I, I hadn't been bowling probably in a couple of years, and then I bowled over a hundred and I threw a couple of strikes. I was like, damn, I'm not so bad. So the, the one of the things, athletic and Lee
1: Sherbanian, in the same sentence. That's one that people say, someone in the app says, thought we were talking athletic sports. So I, I just think that, you know, athletic sports, yeah, plenty of putt-putt golfers got paid. I know growing up watching ESPN and ESPN2, when they were filling time, those those putt-putt golfers used to get paid. So I, I'm okay with that bowling I like, I like ping pong ping pong is 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 one that i would i would love to serve that's definitely a tag team match something that both of us can go ahead and play at the simultaneously cornhole that's why i thought that that was a great one cornhole
2: is the best suggestion i've heard
1: yet arcade Good basketball on shooting that's for i'm saying that he's he's a dynamic shooter
2: you gotta get to a court play actual 2v2 two two. i i I mean, it's getting my competitive juices flowing. Here. And, and here's the thing too
1: that when we were at walk ons, or any arcade that you can go through, they do have those arcade basketball mm. pop shots. And I know Nick Wiggins is, is a huge basketball fan, so that's something that's definitely a challenge that would be accepted. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lay that challenge out there. Yeah, I'm a football fan. Doesn't mean I can throw a football like Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Well, it, it's going to be fun no matter what, how many we decide on participating in and what the sport is, but the challenge has has been issued.
2: <laughs> Someone said, man, stop it. Lee is almost 90. There's not an athletic bone left in his body. For the record, I don't think he's almost 90. I don't even think he's 80. <laughs> Horseshoes
1: was mentioned. But <laughs> with, with Lee, I, I think he does have some athleticism in him. Now, he works out it, it, on the daily. Lee's going to work out daily. That's part of his regimen. That's why I say we just had to find that sport to where we'll give an opportunity to where Lee can get an opportunity. Pinball, that's one of the I, – I, pinball growing up. I know Lee popped those quarters in for pinball. And going for the high score. Now, Michael, have you ever played pinball? Yeah, I've played pinball. It used to be a dime when Lee was popping. <laughs> That's probably a uh, true, too. Uh, that was mean. But we'll try to find the pin pinball. And, and absolutely, I will say this. There's only one sport, and someone definitely hit the nail on the head in the app. Anything with Chick-fil-A involved Lee would dominate. I like uh, Chick-fil-A too. I just I just don't talk about it a lot. My, if my, it's my the mind. right kind of food, I think Lee could dominate in it because that's one of the the things that Lee really loves are certain restaurants. So, yes, Chick-fil-A eating contest. Mm. I, I'm not sure Michael Brown and I would have a chance to I to win th- that one. I think I'd have
2: a chance. You 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 think you could beat Lee? In a Chick Fil A eating contest, I think Lee is just the keeper of Chick Fil A. I don't know if he's the he, eater of Chick Fil A. I,
1: I think he he does the salads. Now, if you want to have a salad eating contest, he might, Lee Lee a Shabay. Shabay. He might win a
2: salad <laughs> eating contest because he's going to eat his vegetables. I'm not eating. I'm not. I, I like salad, but I'm not winning a salad eating contest. <laughs> well, it, it's just going to be fun to
1: find out. So the the challenge was issued by Markheim, and and it is it has been heard and it shall be answered that's for sure and we'll make sure that we post it on wnsp and let you guys decide a sport or two that we're going to participate in i think it'll be a lot of fun and i am just know that just know that we we're paying attention and those
2: imitations they're they're coming back for sure yeah mark and mark and nick kind of need to realize that they're not just able to just say this nonsense on the morning show and Without getting, realize that it's not being paid attention to, and it's,
1: oh, uh, it's going to be I'm answered. I'm telling you, it definitely everybody's paying attention because my phone blows up. Corey, man, you you, you just you've been Anthony issued the challenge. Anthony
2: Richardson, it, tell you what, man, <laughs> Michael Vick, and Hercules, he's gonna be. If you took an athletic Zach Wilson. Even though he's already athletic, come on, come on, man.
1: It's coming. Uh, my, my, my. There's your Wiggins impression. M- my Nick Wiggins impersonation is coming. I'm still working on my. I'm still working. W- on I'm,
2: still wor- I'm still working. You, you all just got the beta impression. Uh, that, that, I, I, I'm. It's still in beta. I'm still working on it. It's still in. I'm still. still in trial run. But I gave you all still a little preview. Wasn't bad though. People. I'm still working on it. People, don't you understand? People. (laughs) You got to throw in the people. Don't you understand? Listen,
1: people. Anthony (laughs) Richardson is going to go in the top five. He is going to be an Atlanta Falcon. We're going to the (laughs) Super Bowl, people. Don't
2: you understand? (laughs) Uh, B. John Robinson is already a Hall of Famer. He's he's already go ahead and it's the guarantee. <laughs> it is the guarantee, people. Yours is better than mine. Don't you understand? He, he's much easier to do than Haim. I've gotta work on Haim a little bit. Haim he, doesn't have that impressionable of voice. I gotta listen to the morning show more often, admittedly. And just start it's, getting up earlier. But he does, like I said, Nick does a great job.
1: Do you not understand? <laughs> The goat is LeBron James. People, <laughs> that, that's his go-to. People, you're gonna learn to listen to me. I tried to tell you about
2: how smart I am, uh. and that—that's Nick Wiggins. I think that's like damn near perfect, honestly. When he gets really into a point, at least, that's pretty damn good. People.
1: Don't you understand, dude, that it's a situation to where my Atlanta Falcons are going to beat everyone. It's not even going to be close. That's Nick Wiggins. Now, again, Mark Hines, we're going to continue to work on Mark Hines' voice. Yeah, that's And he's been able to impersonate both of us. Yeah, he does a pretty good job. So so I, I've been working all day long on Nick and, and Mark you're gonna be my next mark for sure, but but yours are spot on, brother. I, I can't take that away from you. It's pretty good for for your impersonation of Bronner and and me. Spot on, and Nick Wiggins does a great job as well. So their impersonation skills of, of the Final Drive have been spot on, and it started last Thursday at Walk-Ons, and I'm I'm still working on Markheim, and it's gonna be coming, and we'll go ahead. And we'll finish up the final drive here right after this break. Hi, this is Blake
0: Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal. And you're listening to WNSB Sports Radio.
1: that ankle but when you have a one game to nothing lead you already stolen home court advantage you can afford to lose that and i know all eyes will be looking forward to the steph versus lebron show the lakers traveling to golden state in game one of that series and you know one of the things that we're going to talk about tomorrow also is you know the 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 celebrations that you love to see, talking a little bit about it yesterday and as we were going off the air tomorrow, one of the big topics are going to be the the biggest all-time celebrations from athletes that you either loved or hated or you would like to see brought back. That'll be one of our topics that we'll definitely throw out tomorrow and, of course, We do have that athletic challenge that has been issued by the opening kickoff. And of course, tomorrow, an announcement that will be made by the opening kickoff in regards to another challenge that will be laid out. You'll just have to tune in tomorrow morning to hear what that challenge is and to see what our response to that challenge is by Mark and Lee and Nick tomorrow. It's good news from a station standpoint for sure but it's definitely a challenge that we're looking forward to trying to meet and you got we, you got me curious it, oh that. you are you already know it's it's one of those that it's not it's not one of those that you have to guess like those bookkeepers did for the Alabama baseball team <laughs> on this weekend's game but Alabama being removed for FanDuel for Alabama baseball being removed from FanDuel's betting menu, to me that that's amazing. When you start thinking about gambling and betting on baseball and the red
2: flags that had to be issued because you knew LSU was going to win. Maybe by tomorrow it'll come out that I don't know Brad Bohannon is part of some major scandal. I don't want to put that out there. I didn't really mean that. That was just well. I playing. will say
1: this: any scandal in baseball that can steal the headlines away from major league baseball or any other NBA sport would, would definitely be interesting to see. You, you, you don't want to see Alabama associated with any more negative news that's happened within the last two and a half to three months. Cause enough negativity has come out of there across all athletic fronts for all Alabama fans. That's for certain. But TJ Finley, of course, in the, in the portal, we talked about that today. Officially leaving. Who will be Auburn's new quarterback? We'll go ahead and we'll talk about that. Some names that that may land tomorrow, and of course we'll have the results of the Miami and New York game, the Lakers and the Warriors. Who do you like? You like the Warriors or the Lakers? I think the Mike,
2: Lakers go steal game one.
1: Lakers are gonna go and take game one. Well, yeah. the Lakers since the trade deadline have been a different team, so. It'll be fun to watch. Anytime you see LeBron versus Steph, that's always a great thing. But you have to understand, people, what you have to understand is the fact that when you're looking at the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, people, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand, that the Lakers – are going to lose to the Warriors.
2: Yeah, somehow you said a lot without saying anything there. Very Nick Wiggins.
1: People, make sure that you tune in tomorrow morning to the opening kickoff. I'll be producing, making sure that you hear Lee Shervanian's voice. People, my people, make sure you tune in tomorrow afternoon. The Final Drive, wrapping up.